Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Laura Boffman. Laura is a longtime shelter volunteer and since 2015, a volunteer at the National Kitten Coalition. She fosters kittens year-round, most often moms with newborns. She became a fan of the Kitten Coalition after taking one of their awesome all-day kitten care workshops and has been helping them with special projects, like their new manual on launching and operating a successful kitten nursery. Laura, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks, Stacey. Great to be here. In April, we're going to be kicking off the month talking about different topics around kittens. So our uh, CCP listeners will be hearing lots of different things around kittens during the month of April. This is our our starting point. So Laura, would you be willing to share with us uh, how you got started in animal welfare and then specifically your interest with kittens? I've been volunteering at uh, my local animal shelters for a long time, it seems, um, but I concentrate on the cats because everybody loves dogs and cats are the underdogs and I'll always go for the underdog. So I've been mostly volunteering um, at the shelter, taking care of cats, and that very quickly morphed into taking care of kittens because there are just, there were so many kittens down here in the Washington, D.C. area, and they all seem to need fostering. So I got involved in fostering, and next thing I know, I'm hooked. I absolutely adore fostering kittens, especially as, as, as Stacy noted at the outset, moms with newborns. It's just the most rewarding experience to watch them grow. That's great. And how many cats and moms and kittens have you fostered or do you not keep track? Oh, I keep track. I haven't looked lately, but it's well over 100. Not as nowhere near <laughs> as many as the other folks in the National Kitten Coalition. But, you know, more than I ever thought I would. <laughs> more than my husband ever thought I would. That way. <laughs> yes, I mean, this is episode 165. And we had uh, Marnie Russ of the Kitten Coalition on the show, and she was episode way, way back, episode number eight. So if folks are interested in listening to what Marnie had to say about the Kitten Coalition, folks can go back and uh, look up that episode. But today we're going to be focusing on this manual. Where did the idea of putting this manual together come from? I was really focused on kitten care here in the Washington, D.C. area, and I did some Googling and discovered these things called kitten nurseries and then realized that there isn't one in the Washington, D.C. area, and there really needs to be because we have a lot of kittens and a lot of them are sick. And some of the shelters down here had extremely high, this was three or four years ago, very high euthanasia rates for kittens. It just was, it broke my heart. So I started thinking about, okay, what's involved in setting up a kitten nursery? Well, how can we get one here in, in the Washington area? I'm a numbers person. I run a company, so I'm all about business plans. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to convince somebody to do a, a kitten nursery, I need a business plan. Let's put one together. And I started digging and digging and researching, and there was nothing out there. There was fabulous information about all of these great kitten nurseries all over the country, but nothing that told me how much it was going to cost and how many people I was going to need to hire and what kind of supplies would need to be in the space and what the space should look like, nothing. So I thought, okay, 
we need a manual, <laughs> how to start and run a kitten nursery. And somebody needs to write that. And who? Well, okay, National Kitten Coalition. They are the most awesome group for understanding how you care for kittens. So I approached them and they were all in. We wrote a grant proposal and we actually got it funded. We got on airplanes and we went and visited five amazing kitten nurseries all around the country to do research. So that's how it all came to be. Could you tell me a little bit about what a kitten nursery is and maybe describe what the kitten nurseries were like with the ones that you did go and visit? Uh, Yes, the kitten nurseries, there's no solid one-size-fits-all definition for them, but generally they are a space somewhere um, staffed by shelter uh, or shelter organization folks that care for, well, in in the cases of the nurseries we visited, well over a thousand kittens a year. They consist of paid staff, volunteers, and, and this is huge, um, a foster program, a kitten foster program that is really strong. And then they have budgets um, and they have development directors who usually work for the, the rescue organization generally and spend some of their time helping to raise funds for, for the nursery. They have medical staff or access to medical staff. They don't have to have on-site medical staff, but they have access to medical staff, which is very important because kittens get sick a lot. Each of the nurseries we visited, they were really quite, one was quite different from the next, which was the purpose of picking these five nurseries. How do you how do you approach it from if your resources are X and how do you think about it if your staff situation is Y? So that's, that's um, we saw everything. It was, it was pretty amazing. So if you're a, a smaller organization, when I was running the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, we oftentimes just had our foster care program sort of wrapped into our adoption program. And you made a good point there earlier of saying your foster program is as a separate entity. It feeds into your adoption program, but it really has its own life to it. If you're a smaller organization, what are the key takeaways this this manual could help them with? Actually, our first recommendation is that that your foster program comes number one, two, and three on your priority list, your kitten foster program. That's where your initial concentration of resources and attention needs to be. You need to build that program to be as strong as you can make it and to have as many kitten foster homes within it that are capable of caring for the types of kittens you see. So if you, for example, get a lot of bottle babies, then you should have a strong number, a large number of bottle baby foster homes. If you see a lot of kittens with upper respiratory infections, then you should have fosters who are capable of caring for URI kittens. If you get a lot of Panluke wherever you are, think long and hard about, is it possible to train a foster to care for a Panluke kitten in their home? And what does that mean for subsequent kittens that you might get? Can you place them in that home? Probably not, but maybe you have Pan Luke Fosters, you know, the point is that before you really think about starting up a standalone nursery, 
Once you get that up and running, you're going to be a magnet for kittens all over your, your, people are going to be bringing you kittens like crazy. So, and your goal should be not to keep them in the nursery. Your goal should be to move them out into foster care as quickly as possible. So that's why you need to have a really strong foster program before you start a kitten nursery. And it could be for smaller shelters and smaller organizations that that's really all you need. Um, once you've dedicated the time and effort to building that program, you may discover that as far as the bang for the dollar, that that is the best thing that you can do for kittens in your neighborhood. In our very small shelter, we had what we called the kitten room. And so that's where we would basically triage the kittens, get them their first vaccines if appropriate. And then that was where we would have the foster home come and pick up the kittens to bring them to foster care. So that's definitely one of the components of the nursery. Right. And in fact, that, that frankly is most of the shelters that we visited, most of the nurseries we visited, that is the way that they operate. The nursery itself is a space that houses the kittens for hours if they're bottle babies to two or three days or, or, or in, in one or two cases, it was 14 days until, until they were confident that the, there, were, there, was no, there were no diseases that were going to break with the kittens. Sometimes the quarantine period for Pan Luke, for example, is week to, to, to two weeks. So they would hold on to the kittens for a brief period of time. And then when they were confident that it was safe, they would move them right out into foster care. So the only ones that were actually in the physical space were ones that were waiting for foster care or that were just too sick for um, anybody, any foster to take them. As you said, the definition could change sort of as the needs of the community um, you know, required it. So up in the New England area, we're dealing more with the population of 12 to 16-week-old semi-feral kittens. So you might end up having your nursery have some sort of a component in dealing with sort of late term socializing. Yeah, I mean, I, none of the nurseries that we visited um, cared for kittens older than eight weeks. The nurseries were always focused on eight weeks or younger. And once the kittens were in the period where they needed socialization, they no longer viewed it as a nursery operation. There it was definitely fostering and social for socialization purposes it is a different that's a different thing i think you don't need a kitten nursery for that so that's like sort of a tiny tiger's room or something like that that yeah, is that a would little be bit different, different. Mm-hmm. yeah so i'm looking at the table of contents here which is incredibly in depth and you have different topics um, about facility needs staffing protocols Costs and fundraising, which are always exciting topics in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Measuring impacts, which also sounds like that's pretty exciting to you. What are the sort of the high points and and the greatest challenges that you think are out there for groups when considering a nursery? I think probably the biggest one is trying to figure out why you want one. Do you need one and why do you want one? I mean, really sort of the very initial thinking process Kitten nurseries are hot and they're very attractive and it seems like some organizations may think that they need to have one to be quote unquote state of the art, but, but they are huge undertakings. I mean, as I said at the outset, I, I was really impressed after visiting these five groups at what a sobering task it is to start and run a nursery. And so you ought not to leap into it without really thinking through at the outset 
Do you need one? And what are your goals for, for having one? Um, and, and to get to that point, I think you need to do some real initial research, which a lot of organizations haven't done, believe, unbelievably. How many kittens do you currently handle? How many are we keep statistics? I mean, the, most people don't keep these statistics. How many kittens come in? How many are weaned? How many are unweaned? How many are sick? What is your current euthanasia rate for kittens? Even if you don't publish it, you should know it. How many fosters do you have capable of caring for kittens and what kinds of kittens can they take care of? How many can handle bottle babies? What are your biggest problems right now? I mean, what kinds of diseases do you see in kittens? Can your staff, how does your staff handle them? Do you have enough medical staff available to care for the kittens that you currently care for? Because you're going to get a whole lot more if you do a nursery. And so before you you start one, you need to know how well are you doing now in a statistical way? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to justify the expense of a kitten nursery to your board, to your management and to your board. And one of the things they're going to want to know, perhaps, is, is this money being spent wisely? How many more kittens are we saving and at what cost per kitten? How has the euthanasia rate gone down thanks to the kitten nursery or not? You know, those, so you need before and after statistics. And I think uh, most people don't collect the before statistics. And then they get into it and people start challenging them about, we're spending $500,000 a year on this nursery. Tell me why I need to keep that funded year after year after year. And so you need data to support it. Does your organization not have a clear vision of what its goals and objectives are? Does it seem like everyone on your board has a different idea of what you should be doing and how to do it? Well, I can help you with a visioning workshop. I offer affordable, quick and painless strategic planning services for a small organization. I can even offer my services virtually. Are you interested? Just reach out to me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com. Support Boston's Gifford Cat Shelter Spring Soiree and Silent Auction on April 22nd from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Needham Town Hall. There will be fun food and festivities. For more information, go to giffordspringsoiree.org or go to giffordcatsshelter.org. I'm a huge fan of collaborative work. Have you seen any cases where, say, a group of five organizations or two organizations, even, you know, just two said, you know, hey, could we buddy up? Our territories kind of overlap, maybe buddy up and either collaborate on a project where one group might have a bigger facility, so they might have the space, but another group might help out with either fundraising or with their volunteer corps. Or do you see this as a possibility for doing some collaborative projects? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, it's our fourth number one recommendation at the very beginning of our manual. We say you need to identify your village. You need to go out there and find all the organizations in your community that you can partner with on this project because you cannot do it yourself. You need the cooperation of animal control. You need the cooperation of communities that would send you volunteers. You need the cooperation of retailers, kitten animal product retailers that would hold uh, kitten showers for you on site. Or a number of the um, nurseries we visited are partnering with organizations in the community was a huge part of the way they made their kitten nursery succeed. The biggest one, the one that did this most predominantly was the Jacksonville Humane Society. They partnered with two other organizations, including the um, local animal control 
and then a, a group that um, cares for community cats, actually. And the three organizations together worked out a plan where the animal control would do X and the other organization would help with fundraising. And then Jacksonville Humane would provide medical care and space. And the three organizations to this day work jointly to operate their kitten nursery, which is, as I say, housed at the Jacksonville Humane Society. In Los Angeles, you know, um, they're trying to get to no kill by this year, I think. 2017. And so Best Friends Los Angeles, a shelter there, is um, helping to fund other nurseries within the Los Angeles community to start kitten nurseries because they were, the, the Best Friends Los Angeles nursery was maxed out and there were still kittens. So they were providing money to other uh, organizations within Los Angeles to start kitten nurseries and, and mentoring them through the process. And then arranging for animal control to distribute the kittens more uh, broadly to other organizations within Los Angeles that have been mentored by best friends. So yes, absolutely, you have to partner with other organizations in your community to make this work. You had mentioned that this program does not work as a standalone nursery. So you talk about, you have a, a, a supplement about key components to a kitten foster program. Would you be able to highlight a few items from that section? Between you and me, frankly, um, this would probably be a good topic for another person from the Kitten Coalition who wrote that appendix. Yep. Rebecca Jewell. I'm trying to get her to sign up. We'll get her on the show. Yeah. <laughs> She's the pro on that. Yeah. We've had foster care programs with over 100 foster homes and how to manage that without feeling you're on call 24-7, how to deal with foster home burnout. Um, I know, you know, August and September are definitely months that foster homes tend to run out of steam. They're all excited in April and May. And then by August and September, they're like, oh, no, the third litter is here. This is crazy. You know, I'm and going on vacation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So how to balance all of that. I find that a, a big challenge for any organization that has a foster care program is just that people management side of things while you're also oftentimes doing adoptions that you're, people wear many hats in this business. And so it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, you had mentioned earlier that you're a numbers person. Have you, in the organizations either that you visited, what impacts would we expect to see if we launched a kitten nursery in our community? And I don't know if you can just sort of ballpark it or just sort of give maybe a potential scenario. Yeah, and this is really key because a lot of organizations go into this thinking we're going to cut our euthanasia rate and we're going to get to no-kill. And what some of them have discovered is we did. We're making huge progress along that path. And in one case, they actually got to over 90%. We're calling it the success rate, you know, the, the number of kittens that made it, which is phenomenal, frankly. Others discovered that they were stubbornly stuck at 80%, 80, 82, 85% when they really wanted to be in the 90s. And the reason was, as I said earlier, once you have a kitten nursery and everybody knows about it, next thing you know, you're flooded with kittens. And you tend to get at the nursery sick kittens. And sick kittens do die, no matter how carefully you care for them, no matter how much time and attention and resources you spend on them. Kittens will die for no reason at all. It's very sad and it's very hard on these organizations. And they've They've had to be very clear to their supporters, to their donors, to their boards, that the reason that their success rate is stuck in the 80s 
is because of this or that or the other thing. A lot of the organizations, when they first got started, their success rate was in the 70s. It wasn't very high. And in some cases, it was even lower than that because they didn't have, in effect, protocols to deal with really bad diseases like Panluc or other highly contagious diseases like ringworm. And they ended up having to euthanize whole swaths of the kitten nursery population to get that disease under control. So they learned that these protocols for medical care and for sanitation are sacred and they weren't treating them as sacred. And now they are. And because of that, they were able to raise up their success rate. But all of, they had to keep track of all of this stuff and in order to, to demonstrate to them and to their supporters uh, what needed to change and what wasn't going to change and why. I wanted to make sure I got this really out to everybody, this question to you. What is the first thing that an organization should do when considering a kitten nursery? I think you need to think about what your goals are. What are you trying to achieve with a kitten nursery? And set some specific dates on them. Sort of like, you know, when you're trying to lose weight, how much weight do you want to lose and by when? I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. And you need to have a goal that you're aiming for. And because you're you're part of a team of people and everybody needs to be rowing in the same direction and you need to know when you get there or if you're not getting there and why. So set some goals, very specific goals with dates. Do that inventory of where you are now so you know what you're starting from. How much do you weigh now? <laughs> and then figure out what you need to do to get to that goal and start first with your foster program. Make sure it's really up to snuff and it can handle as many kittens as possible. And then, only then, after you're convinced that you've got a strong kitten foster program, then you start thinking about, okay, now what are my in-house resources? What does my space look like? How much staff can I dedicate to this project? You're going to need paid staff. Some of the nurseries we visited thought that they could get started with 100% volunteers, and they learned right off that that was not going to work, especially if they were going to do bottle babies. Bottle babies need to be fed as often as every two hours. If you don't have them in foster care, if you're trying to treat them on site, you need people coming in around the clock. Volunteers, they start out all eager in the beginning, and then next thing you know, you got nobody feeding those kittens and they die. So you need to have paid staff if you're going to do bottle babies, and so you need to have paid staff even if you're not going to do bottle babies. A lot of the nurseries discovered this. You need to have access to, to medical care. It doesn't necessarily have to be some uh, a medical a doctor that's in your facility. It could be one that stops by two or three times a week, but you need medical care, and you need money to pay for that medical care. You're going to need to figure out what your protocols are and you need to write them down and they need to be very clear and they need to be very specific because your protocols are your instruction manuals for everybody, for the volunteers, for the fosters, for the staff, and even for the medical staff. We had one uh, kitten nursery that discovered that the protocols that were being used in the nursery, the medical protocols that were being used in the nursery were different than the medical protocols that were being used over in the medical center of the very same organization. And there was all kinds of confusion and they had to all get on the same page at some point. So it was, it, it, there's a lot of work you need to do before you even start taking kittens in. Um, you need to figure out how much of what it is you're going to stick into the kitten nursery from cages to litter boxes, how much of that stuff can be donated 
versus how much of it you're going to have to buy. And the donated stuff that comes in that you're going to need on a daily basis, be realistic about how easy it's going to be to get that stuff month after month after month for free because you don't want to get into this and to discover, oh my God, we only got enough at our kitten nursery to get us through the first three months of the year and now we have to go out and buy things. Laura, if there are folks that are interested in getting this manual, which is free to download, I believe, how could they find out um, more about it? Go to the Kitten Coalition website, uh, www.kittencoalition.org, and click on the resources tab, and you'll see nursery manual listed there. If you go to that link, then you can download it for free off of the website. If you don't want to uh, use up all your printer toner to print it out, because it, it is over 100 pages long, you can purchase one from the Kitten Coalition at cost, which is $45, and they'll mail you one. And if folks have any individual questions, they can also reach you through the website? Yes, info at kittencoalition.org. Laura, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Thanks to everybody for everything you're doing to save kittens. We hope that you can partner with us. And if you have any questions about how to start a kitten nursery, we would be delighted to try to answer them if they're not already answered in the manual. Our Kitten Coalition Facebook page is also a really good resource for information on how to care for kittens. It's just great that there's so many people involved in this effort, and we hope that we can work with you. Laura, thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future, and thanks so much for kicking off our April Kitten Month. My pleasure. Thank you for what you're doing. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old, with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show, but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. Ah!